are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Thank you, Pastor. It's a real joy to be here this morning. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 10. Just a couple so verses from each one of these passages. Talking about the Ten Commandments a while ago. I don't know why things come to your mind. The older you get, you get kind of thinking about things in the past, you know, and get tickled. And I, a lot of folks will talk about they keeping the Ten Commandments. And like you said, they don't know what, what the Ten Commandments are. That's like a man says, I, the Bible's got errors in it. And you say, where are they at? And he don't know. Somebody just told him, you know. I had a funeral about two or three weeks ago. One of my members, an elderly man, loved the Lord. I, I didn't really know his children. And uh, we'd buried his wife some years ago, and I probably had met him then, but I'd forgot him. And uh, I met with him for the funeral. One of his daughters said, good country lady, you know, love the Lord, I believe, is saved. And uh, she said, now, Brother Robertson, I'm not going to tell you what to preach at my dad's funeral, but he just loved that book of Paul. She said, if you could just uh, read from the book of Paul, said that would be great, you know. And I never did tell her there wasn't a book of Paul in the Bible, but I just went right on, you know, so... You have those times, amen. All right. Well, it's a joy. I mean that to be here. I enjoyed myself last night. I, I, uh, they kept telling me I was going to speak at a barbecue. Now, out our way, a barbecue is pig. And I thought I was coming to pork. And I said, I don't need all that pork. And, man, barbecue steaks here. That's great. That's wonderful. And I ate a big steak. And that fellow who cooked them, he is a, boy, he's a good advertiser. I mean, he stand out front this morning, you know, and, and to greet you, amen. He looked like it to really help you. And that, and I, I, I really appreciate that. And I haven't known your pastor just yesterday, but I've, I've heard his name many times. And I've already come to love him. I, I feel at home here, and I praise the Lord. And you folks talk pretty much like you do down south. You understand you pretty good. I was up north uh, two or three years ago, and, and uh, I started to preach, and I could see people punching each other and sniggering, you know, a bunch of Yankees and wound you know. And uh, so when I got through, when I got through, uh, there was one fellow came to me and he said, I've been living here for five years. I'm from down in Tennessee. Thank God, he said, you're the first man that's been here. I understood what you was talking about. I said, I appreciate that. So you'll understand me. I'll not talk uh, too, too uh, fast, I'm sure. I want to talk to you about prayer this morning. I, I probably won't tell you anything what you don't know, but you know, I, I think it, we, it's not, most of us know enough if we put it in practice. You know what I'm saying? You remember Peter said, I stir up your minds and put you in remembrance. And I think we need to be stirred up and, uh, and put in remembrance of this thing of prayer. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, look at verse uh, 14. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. I do believe Paul wrote this book. Don't argue with me. If you think somebody else did, it's all right. But uh, we won't argue about that. The Holy Spirit is the author of it anyway. But anyhow, he said, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. 
Now let me say this, there's only one priest this morning. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. That's the only way we get to the Father, is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, tested like as we are, yet without sin. Now because of this, he said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Aren't you glad it's not a throne of judgment today? But it's a throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now over here in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 19 and 20. Hebrews 10, 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. How? Our works? No, but by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. I'm going to stop there for a moment because we won't have a long time. I just got some thoughts I want to leave with you about prayer this morning. First of all, let me remind you that we ought to rejoice about the provision God has made for us to pray. Now, everybody can't pray. Back here, oh, I'm probably talking about 20 years ago, I, I went into the hospital, one of our Winston-Salem hospitals to visit, and the lady at the front desk said, Preacher Robertson said, there's a little boy that uh, got hit by a, by a school bus a while ago, a little seven-year-old boy. He's at the point of death. And uh, said, we don't have a chaplain uh, here now. And said, would you go upstairs and be with the family? And I did. I met the mother. They said the dad is a truck driver, and he's in Ohio. They're flying him in now. While I was there, they were working with a little boy across the hall. And a man came in. The husband did, and he embraced his wife, and they wept and cried. And evidently it was a, a Christian nurse in there with them. And she said, why don't, why don't you all just pray? And this man looked. I'd never seen any more empty of face. And he looked and said, ma'am, I don't know how to pray. Folks, we better know how to pray. We never know when we're going to get in touch with God. The little boy died. I met the family, but I really I'd forgot their name through the years. I'm talking about, I'm guessing, 18 or 20 years ago. A few months ago, I told this story in our church. And after service, one of my members came up, uh, who has been a member of our church for, I'd say, 10 years. I did not lead him and his wife to the Lord. They moved their membership from somewhere when they came to our church. He said, Pastor, you didn't know I was that man, did you? That was my little boy. And I said, Bill, I wouldn't have told that this morning. He said, I'm glad you did. He began to weep. He laid his head on my shoulder and he said, Pastor, I know how to pray now. I've been saved. What a joy it is to pray. I couldn't then, but I can now. What a provision God has made for us to get in touch with him. A couple of years ago, I was asked to, my wife and I to go on a cruise to the Bahamas. Free. We didn't turn it down. They said, if you'll preach, you can have a free trip. 
And uh, the touring agency sent us a plane ticket from North Carolina to Miami and then on the boat. Bill and Helen Hedgecock was on that boat. That's that's the dad I'm talking about. One night, they got a telephone call. We were somewhere out on the boat between Miami and the Bahamas. And they had a grandchild who had taken very sick in the hospitals in Winston-Salem. Didn't think she would live. And they got word to me, and my wife and I went up to the little room where Bill and Helen was, was at on that big boat. And we sat there and talked. Bill said, I can pray. My grandchild is hundreds of miles away, but my Heavenly Father is not far away. He said, Preacher, what I want you to do, I want you to pray with me. that God will spare that little child and we get back to the States. God will heal her. We got down beside a little bunk there, my wife and I and his wife and him, and we got touched heaven. God healed. And uh, when he got back and they began to call and communicate, they said, it's amazing to the doctors, she's getting better. And she's alive today. Folks, don't never take it, take it for granted the privilege to pray. If you'll notice, Hebrews said we have a new way. Uh, we no longer come into the holy place and, and the earthly priest kills the lamb and, and uh, takes his blood and goes back into the holy of holies. See, there was a petition there, a veil. Nobody could get back there but the priest. He'd take the blood of the lamb, I'm talking about the Old Testament, and he'd take the blood of a little innocent lamb and go back and put it on the mercy seat. God would look out of heaven and see the blood. You see, God honors the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And so God would cover their sins for a year. And then the people would come back into the uh, holy place and the priest would do the same thing. But this is what I want you to see. I just studied about this and I was thinking, you remember Jesus came to his own, the Jewish people, not us Gentiles. And uh, in my mind, I could think outside of the worship place, outside of the courtyard, outside of the great, maybe huge fence. There might have been maybe an old Gentile like you and I walking around outside. He couldn't go in there. He wasn't allowed in. And he'd walk around and see those Jewish people as they'd go in to that uh, place to worship. No doubt he'd think, oh, I wonder how it would be. You see, in the eyes of the Jews, we Gentiles were dogs one time, or as dogs. But the 27th chapter, I believe it is, of Matthew tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, see, we don't bring a lamb anymore. He is the Lamb of God. And when he died on the cross, and he bowed his head and said, it's finished. The Bible said that veil in the temple rent from top to bottom. And what I'm saying, you and I, old Gentile dogs, that was stood out yonder outside the courtyard, couldn't get in. Bless God, we can enter right into the holiest through the blood today. That's what I'm saying. Don't never take for granted that you have the privilege to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jew or Gentile makes no difference. You can enter in by the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you. If you went to Washington tomorrow and uh, you said, I want to see the president, where you're a Democrat or Republican, I don't care, 
but you want to see the president. And uh, the procedures went, and you went from this one and that one and the other, and you went in the office of the president. And you sit down and shook his hand and talked to him face to face. While you'd come back to California and tell everybody you've seen, man, I, got, I actually shook the president's hand. And I actually got to talk to him face to face. And you'd tell everybody about it. And yet we have the privilege to talk to somebody 10,000 times greater than any president. I talked to him this morning. I went into his office this morning. The Bible said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. And I talked to him about things back home. I talked to him about my son that's preaching. I talked to him last night. I called home. I talked to him about my precious wife. I asked him if, if he would please just... Uh, take care of her and let me hear a good report. And when I called home, I said, Honey, how are you? And she said, Fine. I mean, don't never take for granted the provision God has made for us to pray. You know, back here a few years ago, and I get started on this, I, I, I won't get nowhere, but back, back, if you let me come back next two or three weeks, I'll do it. Uh, but, you know, just a few years ago, I, was, I, was, I got down to pray one day. And uh, I said, uh, Heavenly Father, and Brother Jack, when I said that, it never had dawned on me who I was talking to, just like that. I mean, I knew before. But I got to thinking, here I am, not a drop in a bucket. And who did I say, who am I talking to? I'm talking to the one that spoke the world into existence. That's my father. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills, and bless God, he owns the hills too, and all the taters in the hills. That's what I'm talking about. And that's my father. And I liked how to spell just stopping there thinking, I talked to the Father. I talked to the one who spoke the world into existence. He's mine. He's my heavenly daddy this morning. What a provision he's made for us. Think with me on a few thoughts here. What, why pray? The purpose of prayer. We wouldn't have time to go into the scriptures, but the purpose of prayer is to meet our needs. You see, you and I who are earthly fathers, we want to know how our kids are getting along. I have four children, and every once in a while, I'll just call one and say, how about eating breakfast with Dad? And I'll take them out for, for uh, breakfast, and we'll sit down and say, hey, tell me, how, how are you getting along? You got any problems? I mean, unload on the old man. Just tell me. And I like for them to tell me how they're doing. Now, that pleases me. I'm concerned about them. And the purpose of prayer is... That God might meet our needs. Hey, he's interested in until we learn to pray what we call for the little things, we'll never enjoy anything else. Last week I was in Greenville, Tennessee, uh, about four hours from home. My wife was with me. We drove up, and I, I spoke at a workers' banquet on Friday night, and I, I said uh, the preacher introduced me from Walkertown, North Carolina. Well, nobody's heard of that place. And I said... Uh, how many of you folks ever heard of Walkertown? And the whole crowd raised their hand. I thought, good night, how do you know about Walkertown? Found out after the service was over with, they thought I was talking about a Walkertown, Tennessee. There was one about 15 miles from there, and I didn't know it. But I enjoyed it. But what I started to say, uh, we stayed in a motel right next to an expressway. Now, I'm a country boy. I don't live next to expressways. I live out in the country, bro. I live in the boondocks. I mean, that, 
You know, I'm not used to traffic passing like that. And them old trucks just, whoom, 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 whoom. And boy, we walked in that room, nice room. And I thought, oh, oh, boy. And I said, now, honey, now listen, our father knows that we're here next to this expressway. He knows we're not used to these big old trucks. Now, I'll tell you what let's do when we pray tonight. Let's believe he can close them things out and we can sleep. And he did last Friday night. And we slept good and got up Saturday morning and started home. And I said, how would you sleep? She said, fine. I said, my father done that for us. You see, the purpose of prayer, he wants to meet our needs. And you, you're familiar with Luke chapter 11. You remember uh, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And he said, give us the pattern of prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on and so forth. Give us our daily bread. And then he gave us a parable of a man who had a friend who was coming and he had nothing to set before him, but he had a need. But he said, I know a friend who's got it, and that's our Lord. And you remember he went to him and he asked him and he got the bread. So the purpose of prayer is that God might meet our needs. Dr. John Rice, we used to have him in our church. Dr. Rice, you may have heard this or read it. You may have read after him. I don't know, maybe in one of his books on prayer. But anyway, I heard Dr. Rice tell several times back in the 30s, 1932, he was pastoring in Texas. He said he had a morning broadcast. He said his old car was wore out. And uh, he said, he, he said he, he'd, he'd go to the broadcast. and It was a live broadcast. He'd done it at the station. And he said, man, I'll tell you many times, he said that old car would quit on me. And he said, I'd push up hills and get somebody to push up hills and coast down hills. And he said, I'd run into that station and say, now here's John R. Rice. And he said, I'd, good morning, good morning. He said, I'd just give out from pushing. Dr. Rice said, I got to thinking, I wish I had a better car. This thing's wore out. And he said, you know, I just got down to praying. I didn't see any way at all it was going to happen. I just got down to praying about it. And, and Lord, will you do something? Now, not our wants, but our needs. And he said, two weeks later, <laughs> that little country church there in Texas, two weeks later, said when they walked in one morning, he said, uh, the chairman of the deacon board said, uh, Brother Rice said, I can't make no talk. said, here's the keys. said, all of us want to see it. Would you come out front before service? He said, keys? He said, yeah. He said, I went out there and they had me a new little 1932 Chevrolet. I've heard Dr. Rice tell it personally. He's been in our church and prayed. <laughs> Dr. Rice said, I, 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 for six months, I wished I had another car, and I prayed for two weeks, and God gave me one, and I felt like kicking myself for not praying by counter when I needed one. You see, God knows our needs, and the purpose of prayer is that, that we talk to our Father. My son Steve graduated from Tennessee Temple in 1972, he started the school there in 1968. Honestly, he had to work himself through school, and I think that's a pretty good thing for your kid to do, folks. Uh, you may have one you may can afford to pay his way, but you may ruin him. Let him work. Let him learn. And anyway, uh, honestly, very seldom, I'm honest, very seldom I had a $20 bill to send Steve. And he worked and played ball and had a partial scholarship and, and just around the clock... And he was pastoring one of the little missions. Dr. Robertson had some missions back up in the mountains of Chattanooga. And Steve was pastoring. He didn't have a way out to that meeting. I mean, to his church, he had to bum a ride to get out 35 miles from the college. 
My wife and I talked about it. We wished we had the money to get him a car, but we didn't have it. But I had a father who could do something about it. My wife and I, we didn't tell anybody. We just got down to pray and we talked to God about that thing. And we said, Lord, you know, he needs some transportation to get to that little mission out there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We don't have it. One of my Sunday school teachers, I can't remember how long we prayed about it, he came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, I've bought a Volkswagen. He only had, uh, seemed like 15, 16,000 miles. It had been wrecked. I bought it. I fixed it up. The Lord has laid on my heart to give it to your boy. I said, well, Gene, you can't do that. He said, how come I can't? It's mine. He said, God wants me to do it. And I remember very well that I drove that little uh, uh, Volkswagen and one of my members drove my car 400 miles and we pulled up at uh, Tennessee Temple College and and old Steve said, Dad, where'd you get that? And I said, oh, got me a new one. It was practically new. Beautiful little orange Volkswagen, you know. And uh, I shot him a line about it, you know, for a while. And I said, no, son, it's, it's yours. We just brought it to you. Can't be mine. I said, yeah, it's yours. Gene Davis give it to you. And it's yours. Here's your keys. Brother, that's what God wants us to do. If you've got a need this morning, don't just wish and wish, but get down and pray about it. And just keep on praying. You see, I, I could tell you several things. I, let me say quickly about this. I, I, I think of, I, well, you'd have to see the work at Gospel Light. It's hard for me to tell you. But anyway, Steve came to work with me in 1972. It's an honor to work with your son. He's our co-pastor. I think he, when we made him co-pastor, he thought he said go-pastor. So he's not at home much anymore. But anyway, I've been with him, or he's been with me almost 18 years now. And uh, our church rented him a little house out there, a little four-room house, nice little house. And two little boys came along, and, and he needed some room so bad. And our deacon board said, let's find Steve a house. And the members said, can't we get Steve a house? And I said, yeah. We looked around for a house here and yonder and nowhere. Seemed like couldn't, nothing but old man. And I was just wishing, Lord, help us do something. Listen, giving God the glory, I caught myself wishing more than I was praying. And one night I got in on my knees and I said, Lord, this is your business. It's not mine. You know where a house is and I don't. Would you do something about this and I'll give you the glory? Folks, honestly, I prayed for two weeks. Now we have a little cemetery in behind our church. There's a patch of woods behind the cemetery. I never had thought about that. I'd prayed for two weeks. God being my witness, I got a telephone call about 9 o'clock one night from Nashville, Tennessee. The lady said, are you the preacher or the pastor of the gospel light? It's not lighthouse. I noticed she had that. It's gospel light of the gospel light Baptist church in Walkertown. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I just wonder if you could use a piece of land. She said, uh, you know, behind your little cemetery, she said, I have inherited an acre and a half of that land in those woods from my grandmother. And she began to tell me how beautiful it was. It has a beautiful, a good, a nice little creek running on the back of it. It's 500 feet, I believe, deep, eight, 125 or something wide and all of that. And uh, listen, God's my witness, folks. She said this. She said, about two weeks ago, it got on my mind that your church might could use this land. Boy, my mind was traveling fast. I said, ma'am, we've been wanting a place for an assistant pastor, and we've been looking around. I said, uh, 
We'd build a house. She said, oh, it'd be a beautiful building place. I thought she was giving me a cell talk. And I said, well, now, okay. I said, we'll look into that. I said, how much do you want for it? She said, I don't want anything. I want to give it to your church. She said, I'll be in the Winston-Salem area, and we're just eight miles out of Winston-Salem. She said, I'll be in the Winston-Salem area in July in a couple of months, and she said, I'll call you, and I'll bring the deed. You meet me at the courthouse. I met the lady, found out she was saved. God laid on her heart two weeks. About the time I started to pray and about it, God laid on her heart, and now Steve lives down on, I call it, Cemetery Lane, in behind the cemetery, down in the woods with his two boys and his wife in a three-bedroom beautiful home that our church built for him down there. When God knows that we mean business, I'm saying the purpose of prayer is to get our needs met. There's something else about prayer, the purpose of prayer, and that is to have fellowship with our Lord. You see, God talks to us through the Bible. Now, don't go out here and look for a vision or dream to try to get God to talk to you. Forget that. He's got it down here in the book. Just get the Bible down and say, Lord, what do you want me to know? And, uh, and then let him talk to you. Uh, he'll, he'll tell you right here in the book. Some fellow said one day, says, new revelations all the time. No, it's all in this book right here. It's there, my friend, it's there. Now, he talks to us, but wait a minute. Fellowship is two-way communication. If you talk all the time and your wife never says anything or vice versa, there's not too much fellowship. But when both of you are communicating, there's fellowship, and there's something else about prayer, and that is it's a way to fellowship with our Heavenly Father. I like the song, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I'm his own. I pray, I talk to him, and he talks to me. Dr. Jack Howes may have told you this here before, I don't know. Dr. Howes told the Southwide Fellowship meeting a few years ago. He was in Highland Park preaching back before Dr. Robertson uh, resigned, and and uh, Dr. Charles Weigel, the man who wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus, made his home at Highland Park, Tennessee Temple. Dr. Weigel was 95, I think, when he went to be of the Lord. And uh, Dr. Howell said he spoke at Highland Park. I think uh, Dr. Weigel was 91 or 92, 93, something like that at that time. And he, did, he noticed he went in the service, and he asked Dr. Robertson, he said, uh, where's uh, Brother Weigel? He said he's not feeling good. He's in his room. And uh, Dr. Howell said, I'd like to see him. If I could, would it be all right? He said, sure. And he told him where the room was. Dr. Robertson made him a home there for his life. And how long as he lived. Anyway, he said he went, and Dr. Howell said, I heard him talking to someone. And he said, uh, I waited outside. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to go in his company. And I waited as long as I could. And he kept talking. He said, finally, I tapped on the door. And he said, that great giant, Charles Weigels, the man who wrote, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. I heard him sing it himself several times and heard him preach one time. And he said that he peeped out the door. He said, well, hello, Jack. Come in. He was standing there with his shoes off. And he said, uh, Dr. Howard said, I don't want to bother you and your company. He said, I don't have any company. Come on in. He said, I walked in and he said, uh, well, who you been talking to? I've been standing out here waiting until you got through talking. He said, Dr. Weigel kind of looked like it embarrassed him. <laughs> He said, you see, Brother Jack, he says, I'm going to heaven before long, and we'll live with Jesus forever. And I was just having a little fellowship with him. Hope you don't think I'm crazy, but he said, he and I are just having a good time together. And he said, uh, well, he said, you see, my shoes off. He said, I was up on the bed, jumping up and down, clapping my hands, just, just praying, talking to him. 
Let me tell you something. You may be a widow or a widower, and you may think you're alone, but if you know Jesus as your Savior, the purpose for prayer, you talk with him and have fellowship with him. That's what I'm talking about. That's the purpose of prayer. I've got three more points, and I'm going to have to quit. I may talk on this tonight. There's power in prayer. I'd like to tell you some things God's done at Gospel Light. Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Bob Gray, 20-some years ago, my, what a revival when people got to pray. Uh, praying and so there's power in prayer and, and then uh, there's patience of prayer we got to we got to have patience in our prayer you know sometime we pray i don't know anywhere where god said i'll do it in the next five minutes but he said i'll do it and it takes patience in your prayer life don't get discouraged you just keep on praying but uh, there's patience we have to have patience in our prayer life we're on a piece of ground i'll tell you this i want to talk about the pearls of prayer i don't know i may preach on it tonight but I know we've got to get ready for the 11 o'clock service. But we've got to be patient in prayer. Let me tell you this quickly. I've got about a minute or two, I believe. We needed to build a building, we thought, 10 years ago, a new auditorium. There was seven acres of land up here we was waiting on. The man who owned it, his wife had passed away, had no children. He didn't need any money. He said, don't bother me, preacher. I'm not going to sell it. He was born and raised in that area, and he said, too, much, too many housing developments, don't want no more land, don't want no more houses around here, don't want no more buildings, not going to sell it. He said, just don't bother me with it. I didn't want to make him mad. And we prayed. And I'd promised the church 10 years ago that we was going to build a large auditorium. And everything above the uh, operating expenses each month, we had voted to put into a building fund. So the building fund was growing. Now let me tell you, when you step out on faith and something don't happen, you're out there on a limb by yourself. And, and I spent some sleepless nights. That, that thing kept growing. You say, that's a good problem. Well, in the way it is, we even had churches come want to borrow money from our church. I said, man, I don't know. I'm not the, there's no loan company. I said, that's our building fund. We're going to build a building. But we couldn't get the land. We waited for about 10 years, and we kept praying. We had some prayer meetings. People come to me and say, Brother Bobby, I, I think we ought to relocate. And I almost did. I almost built the wrong place. But God give grace to wait and to wait. And we waited for 10 years. We wonder why. But God had a hand. That building fund amounted to $2,138,000. And that man passed away. About four months afterwards, I went to the administrator of the property, who was one of their relatives. I told him the burden of my heart. He said, Preacher, we've already decided we're going to let your church, 20 relatives, that we're going to let your church have it, and it's seven acres and two tents. You can have it for 40, it's $43,200 for the whole thing. And we got the land. Beautiful piece of land. Started work on that building. It took 17 months to build it. What I'm saying We've got to be patient about our prayer life. What I'm saying is this, and I'll quit on this. If we had got to build when we had nothing 10 years ago, we may have had, and I'm not against bonds, I just don't want anything to help them, but we've never had to go bond program in our church, but we may have been like many of them in North Carolina, bankrupt. We have a beautiful fan-shaped auditorium that seats 2,200 people. I mean beautiful, beautiful. Uh, right out in the field, one of the prettiest buildings in this country. Seven acres, all paved, parking all around it and everything. 
It cost, I think it's $3,300,000 when we got through, and it took 17 months to build it, and folks began to give and give, and to God be the glory, and please, to God be the glory, you come to Gospel Light Baptist Church with 10 or 12 buildings all over the place, and about 40, 50 buses parked out here in that big building, and it's all debt-free now. See, God had a purpose. We think we just got to go. No, God's got a purpose of having us to wait sometime. Be patient in your prayer life. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.